Welcome to Meet My Potential podcast. This podcast is for high achievers who aspire to meet their goals with ease and peace of mind. This is your host, Deepa Natarajan. And before we start, I'm going to invite you to go over to www.meetmypotential.com slash ebook so you can get my brand new ebook with common traits of high achievers and how you can leverage them to reach your goals with ease and peace of mind. So that's www.meetmypotential.com com slash ebook. Today we have with us Gareth Davis from the Bravest Path. Bravest Path are a coaching and consulting company, and the Bravest Path is one of the first organizations in Europe to offer the Dare to Lead program from the research of Brinny Brown. For those of you who don't know Brinny Brown, Brinny Brown has done 20 years of research with about 400 pieces of data based on 150 interviews with global C-suite leaders on vulnerability. It is also Apple's business book of the year, Dare to Lead with Courage. Let's welcome Gareth Davis. Hi, Deepa. Thanks very much for having me on. Thank you for joining us. And the topic today is vulnerability. So what is vulnerability? This is such a big word used by many people today. So can you throw some light on that? Yeah, certainly. I'll start with a very simple definition. Vulnerability is risk, uncertainty, and emotional exposure. And whilst we're talking about what vulnerability is, I also think it's important to talk about what vulnerability isn't because it can be quite a a powerful and emotive term. So as you know, my work is aligned with that of Brene Brown. I'm certified in her work. And in her research, she has identified six myths around vulnerability. Now, I don't intend to go into all of them right now, but if I can pull out the two most important, in my opinion, um, hopefully that will be of some use. Yes, sure. So I think the, the first and greatest myth around vulnerability is that it is in fact weakness. Mm-hmm. The truth is completely the opposite. Vulnerability is our greatest measure of courage. So for anyone listening, I would say think of a courageous act and then try and find a courageous act that actually doesn't hit those parts of the definition of vulnerability. When you've seen someone be courageous, that will normally fit within either risk, uncertainty, or emotional exposure. Hmm. So, Can you give an example of what vulnerability would look like? Yeah, certainly. So, so often probably people don't associate these things with vulnerability, but think about someone returning to work after a long illness or having to take a job the other side of the world and moving away from all your friends, family and support network. Those are vulnerable and yet still courageous decisions to make. Right. Because there is an element of risk involved in terms of moving to a different country and there is a lot of uncertainty. And how would emotional exposure appear in those instances then? Well, you don't need all three present all the time. Okay. But certainly when you're detaching yourself and maybe moving away from your support network, let's say you're moving to another country Mm -hmm. and moving away from those people who know you, who really know you, who are there that when you get knocked on your backside, when you're being brave and you fail, the Mm -hmm. people you turn to for support, to distance yourself from that, could leave you emotionally exposed. Okay. Okay. Got it. Okay. So that's the first myth. The first myth is vulnerability is weakness. Yeah. Vulnerability is weakness. That is a myth. The, The fact is vulnerability is courage. And I'll say it again, it is our greatest measure of courage. The other myth I'd like to touch on now is people think vulnerability is oversharing. 
And there's a, it's very, very important to remember that vulnerability practiced well mm-hmm. contains boundaries. It's practiced with boundaries. So it's sharing, but knowing who to share it with and when to share it. To give you an example of sharing without boundaries, mm-hmm. often things that are posted publicly on social media. Mm-hmm. Say a celebrity is posting all the details about their divorce on, on social media. Mm-hmm. That's not practicing vulnerability. That's oversharing. Mm-hmm. So perhaps if I give you an example of vulnerability practiced very well by a client of mine, uh-huh. to give it some context in the, in the workplace. Right. So someone I'm working with, they're a senior manager in a, an organization that, that started off as a project within a parent organization. It has become hugely successful and now it is being formalized into its own body, its own entity. So with this change, there's a lot of uncertainty and fear amongst a lot of the people that are working there. So a good example of, of practicing vulnerability well is my clients sitting down their team mm-hmm. and calling it out and saying, look, there's a lot of anxiety. I'm feeling it as much as you guys are. Okay, this, I appreciate this is really hard to leave the concerns you have at work at the office and not take them home with you. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to promise that I'm going to share everything I can with you as soon as I can. But I can't share everything right now. So can you tell me, what does support from me look like? What questions do you need answering right now? And what stories are going around that we need to head off at this table right now? And then the client goes on to say, look, I, because again, this is another boundary about what's okay and what's not okay. They're appreciating how difficult the situation is, but then they go on to say, that I need you to keep leaning into this because at the end of the day, we still have a job to do. There are expectations on us delivering. So what do you need right now from me and this team to be all in? And I think that's a really good example of a leader owning the situation, calling out what needs to be called out, recognizing that there are certain things they can't share with their team. But I think it's a good example of someone being very human and being as open as they can to encourage their team to also be as open as possible. Because in those situations, how many times do the leaders shut down They think everything needs to be carried by themselves and themselves alone. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I know many examples of companies, especially startups who are going through a financial crisis and bonuses are issued later or they are postponed. So people at the bottom line, they know that there are some financial issues. The financial director is sleepless, working at cash flows on a weekly basis and it creates a level of anxiety with senior managers. And if the CEO doesn't talk about it openly and have such an open conversation, we lose trust in the organization. And we start to question every action that's happening. Why are we hiring if we're going through financial crisis? Why aren't we able to pay out bonuses? Do I start need to looking out for another job? So yes, it's important to share. And I like what you say about sharing with boundaries. Yes. Yeah. Those boundaries are so important. Because, and, and this kind of overlaps into perfectionism, really. You know, perfectionists are all or nothing. They're black and white. <laughs> uh, and so it's not sharing everything or sharing nothing. It's finding the appropriate level mm-hmm. at which to be open with appropriate people. And it's, when you talk it through, it's actually quite a simple process. It sounds quite simple. Uh-huh. But it delivers such a huge return on that relatively small investment of time. 
Right, exactly. And usually we run away from these conversations because we believe that we can't handle them. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And it's tied up with weakness. You know, if a leader believes they can't ever say, do you know what, I don't know the answer to that question, yeah, they'll be perceived as weak. So we go back to that first myth. Exactly. And somehow there is also this notion that I need to provide support and I need to be the strong pillar that everybody can lean on and I need to solve the problems all by myself. So it's also saying that, well, I am solving problems and right now I don't have the answer, but at the same time, I can talk to you about it and what this means for me and what this means for you. Absolutely. The amount of leaders that that have such good intentions and decide to to go out and fix their team before even asking the team, Mm -hmm. what do you need? Yeah, that's that's a great example. Thank you. <laughs> no, no, no problem. <laughs> Can you give an example of what is not vulnerability? Well, well, I would say shutting down. So building those that metaphorical wall around you, bringing in shields and, and armor is how we we talk about it from the research. So when something gets difficult, we can often be put into um, feeling shame, and I, shame is a big. big concepts and I know we don't have time to go into it mm-hmm. fully but mm-hmm. just essentially what I'm talking about is that feeling of that in some way we're not enough mm-hmm. so when we tend to feel shame often we can act in in one of three different ways we can either move towards it mm-hmm. which would come across as people pleasing oh okay we could move away from it uh-huh. so we could become very detached very isolated and then the other option is to move against it so we can become quite aggressive and combative. So often when you see those behaviors coming through, that's often because we're, we're struggling to practice vulnerability. We are feeling shame and that is the reaction. Right. Got it. So we kind of become emotionally unattached. Yes. Yes, certainly. I, actually, rather than emotionally unattached, I would say it's the connection and the way we connect with others. Mm, mm. So kind of disconnected. Yeah, so so we might move away from people and disconnect ourselves. We might push it too much and become those people pleasers who will do anything to sort of maintain connection, or we will risk breaking that connection by becoming, you know, aggressive and combative with others. Okay, okay, and these are different shields that people use in order to not be vulnerable. Yes, exactly, exactly. That's when we're feeling like we're not quite enough. We're we're feeling vulnerable. We can't we can't practice vulnerability. And so they are, they're really the three responses that you'll see outwardly. There are more inward um, armors we use as well, but mm-hmm. I am now starting to go down a rabbit hole that I know is going to take us well away from what we're here to talk about I today. know, I know exactly. So let's focus our attention back on vulnerability. And can you tell us ex- what is the foundation needed for people to be vulnerable? So for me, the foundation you need is psychological safety. And Google did a brilliant project. So Project Aristotle a couple of years ago, mm-hmm. where they actually set out to study high-performing teams. And they wanted to find the, the answer to the question, which, what is present in the highest-performing teams? And they identified five pillars, as they call them, that are present in all the highest-performing teams. Mm-hmm. And the most... the key, the number one most important pillar they found that was necessary in a high-performing team was psychological safety. Mm-hmm. So this is a, what I'm talking about here is a, is a culture where people believe that they can make a mistake and others won't penalize them or think less of them for it. 
It's about being able to feel like you can show up with your full self at work and others are not going to judge you or blame you for anything that you come out with. Okay. So that psychological safety is that uh, you feel safe to talk about your failures, your weaknesses, your strengths, and people don't judge you and you're not penalized. Did I get that right? Yeah, that's it. I mean, we do a lot of work with creative agencies, mm-hmm. you know, and the demand from their, their clients is perfection, pretty much. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> but how do you get there? Well, that's about getting down in your team and sharing ideas. Now, if that team has a culture whereby if someone comes up with a bad idea, they are shamed in public, they are blamed, they are criticized, pretty soon your team is not going to be sharing or or coming up and offering as many ideas as they would have done if they had psychological safety. Right. So it's the key to creativity. Someone once said about their company, do you know what's really good about our company? The best idea wins, (laughs) which is great. But my question is, well, how do you know all the ideas are being put on the table in the first place? Mm -hmm. You need psychological safety to bring, to allow everyone in your organization to bring their full selves, their full talent, their full creativity to the table. In our coaching language, there's a thing of look at people with unconditional positive regard. Yes, yes, (laughs) that's it. The more psychologically safe your teams feel, and regardless of industry, then the more creative and more productive they're going to be because they're going to bring more of their talent to the table. Right. I've heard many people say that for us to be, for one to be vulnerable, we need to have trust in place. So it kind of becomes like the chicken and egg problem. How do you answer that? Yeah. So, so actually what you've done there, you've touched on one of those other myths. Okay. So that is, that is absolutely a myth around vulnerability. People believe that you must trust and trust must come before vulnerability. Mm-hmm. So really trust is, is built into the small moments. And I'm, I'm quoting a John Gottman there. Uh-huh. But that comes through being vulnerable. Mm-hmm. That comes through, let me give you, uh, let me think of an example. So, so what I mean by the small moments is those when you're with someone and they say, they might remember your birthday. They might ask after a, a sick relative of yours. Mm-hmm. They might even just remember the name of your grandparents and ask after them. It's those, we use the marble jar mm-hmm. to refer to trust building. Mm-hmm. It's those small moments that add the marbles to your marble jar mm-hmm. that starts building trust. But you don't need a full marble jar to be vulnerable. Because if you think back to the, think back to the definition, it, it's about risk, uncertainty, emotional exposure. So, so yes. I, I, <laughs> I know, I can give you an example. I remember I sent a picture of a beach of a holiday where I was on a WhatsApp to, to the president of a company on WhatsApp. And, you know, he sent me an email and I told him I was, I was away on holidays. And then on WhatsApp, I just sent him a picture of the beautiful place that I was in. And, you know, that just very small exchange will suddenly trust. And when I came back into town and I picked up my relationship back again with this customer, my relationship had completely changed. Yes. Yeah. Because vulnerability builds trust. Right. Right. And it's just those very small instances, you know, and it's not, and it's, you know, with clear boundaries, it's not about you sending a picture of yourself with the, on a bikini, but it's really a picture of a beach <laughs> and, you know, it's, you know, saying where you are and how you are. Very simple like that. That's exactly. Exactly. And, but by doing that, you're not certain of their reaction. Mm-hmm. You know, you might face rejection. That is, that is practicing vulnerability. I know I was at a conference in New York a couple of months ago and I, I saw someone receive an award mm-hmm. and I was so impressed by their 
acceptance speech and the way they they essentially put all the praise back onto their team. Mm-hmm. I wrote to that person a couple of days afterwards, and I, I told them how great I thought their acceptance speech was, et cetera, et cetera. This person didn't know me. <laughs> you know, they've, they've never heard from me. They don't know who I am. Yes. But so somebody once said to me, gratitude unspoken is a bit like buying someone a present, wrapping it up and never giving it to them. <laughs> so for me, I thought, do you know what? That's great. How often do we, you know, it's too easy to give negative feedback sometimes. And I don't think often we, we call out the good when we can. So yeah. I thought, do you know what? I'm going to write. I'm going to say, do you know what? I was really impressed by that. I loved it. I like this, this and this. It doesn't matter what they respond to me. I've, I've given gratitude I felt was necessary. And do you know what? It paid off. And we've started a, a relationship now that I hope will possibly see, um, see business grow in the future. But I, nice. I, I didn't need to trust that person before I was open about them. Great. Okay. Wonderful examples of how to be vulnerable once again. So what challenges do people face to be more vulnerable? Well, I think the challenges come in, in both sort of an organizational setting and a, and a personal setting. Mm-hmm. So within an organization, almost the opposite to a psychologically safe culture is a culture of blame. And I'm afraid I think there are more cultures that lean towards the blame mm-hmm. than lean towards psychological safety sometimes. Mm-hmm. So just think to yourself, how, you know, how many times in an organization when something goes wrong is the first reaction to work out whose fault it is? Yeah. Whereas actually the research has found that blame is simply a discharge of discomfort and pain. It is absolutely, it has nothing to do with holding people accountable. And again, the research found that actually people who blame a lot are seldom the, the ones who have the tenacity and the grit to actually hold people accountable because accountability is by its very nature a vulnerable process. It's saying, do you know what? You did this this is how I feel about it. This is the impact it had on me and I want to talk about it. It's not just raging for 15 seconds and calling out blame. So blame, a blame culture inhibits vulnerability and accountability. So a blame culture will is the opposite to the psychologically safe culture we've just spoken about as being the, the most productive, highest performing teams. Hmm. This is something very important that you just mentioned. It's the tenacity to hold people accountable. And that is painful. And that is a vulnerable act because there's a lot of uncertainty over there as to what's going to happen, how the project or how that situation will shape around on how you are going to recover from it. And at the same time, there is a lot of emotional exposure in terms of how you're disappointed and how, how does that impact you and your responsibilities and your next job? So... Yeah, that is a vulnerable situation to be able to hold people responsible. Yes. And vulnerability as a leader is so important because when you can practice vulnerability, then you give everyone around you permission to be vulnerable themselves. Brilliant. And that's when your team will really start to fire. Right. And then from a personal point of view, and we've, we've actually spoken about it earlier, what's going to stand in your way is that feeling of shame, the feeling of not being enough in some way. Mm-hmm. So whether or not we're, we're bright enough, experienced enough, qualified enough, whatever it is, that mm-hmm. feeling of shame affects everybody in some way. But it, interestingly, it actually affects men and women very differently, uh, the, the research has found. So for women, shame will show up. Let me give you a sense. I am not dot, dot, dot enough. And for women, that list of words that can fill that space can, can sometimes be endless. 
the research has found the most common source of shame currently for women is, is body image. Mm-hmm. Whereas for men, it comes down to just one thing. Do not ever be perceived as weak. Mm-hmm. And so when we feel shame, mm-hmm. then we are less likely to, what, I, what we would call step into the arena. We mm-hmm. use the metaphor of the arena. When you're being brave to step out there, and being vulnerable requires us to step into uncertainty without any guarantee. But when we feel shame, that inhibits us, that stops us. So feeling shame and not wanting to be vulnerable, I can see the kind of armors or the defense mechanisms that we put in. And one of the defense mechanisms, as you just rightly mentioned, is blame. It's so easy to blame people. It's so easy to escape feeling vulnerable, feeling the pain and we also use a lot of numbing techniques in different ways. We try to be perfect. Also, this is another armor that we use. Oh, absolutely. With regards to numbing techniques, so I am an eater. <laughs> Food is my numbing of choice. You know, if I've had a bad day, I'm not feeling great about myself. Yeah. I, you know, you will find me in the kitchen. <laughs> but nowadays, you, there, there are so many more options, I guess, for us to numb. You know, traditionally, there was drink, drugs, sex work but nowadays you know numbing can come across as mindless cruising of the internet binging on box sets uh-huh. suddenly finding yourself on the fifth episode and, and realize you know what i don't even know what i'm watching here <laughs> it's numbing um you're absolutely right you're absolutely right and i think going back to that point you made on blame as well and this is why i think brene is so clever to use the arena metaphor uh-huh Because when we're going to be brave, it's a bit like stepping out into that arena. And we must remember that most of those seats in that arena are the cheap seats. So those people who are going to hurl judgment and blame, they don't really know you. They don't know what's going on for you. They're happy to sit in the cheap seats and throw judgment, but often they're not brave enough to step out into the arena themselves. So the key point about that is identifying who in your life, whose opinions really do count because they're the ones that are going to be sat in the supporters' seats and they're the ones that are going to pick you up when you, when you do get knocked back. Beautiful. Wow. <laughs> Excellent. So what is one tip that you can give people to take one step closer to being vulnerable? Okay, so I'll try and squeeze in two if I may. Yes, um, you can. <laughs> first of all, very, very quickly, I would, I would encourage people to try and talk more to themselves as they would a good friend. And by that, I mean, I'm willing to bet that most of us would agree our biggest critic is ourselves. And how would we ever get away with speaking to our friends in the same way that we sometimes speak to ourselves? So this is about practicing self-compassion. It's about being kinder to ourselves, giving ourselves a break. And when that inner critic comes up, just being kinder to ourselves by the way we talk to ourselves. And as I say, so when that moment comes up, just think to yourself, what would I say to a good friend in this situation? And then talk to yourself like that. And also, I've just mentioned it when, it, when, when I talked about stepping out into the arena, work out whose opinion really counts. So mm. what I mean by that is, who are those people that if, if I met them and asked them what your values are, they could give me a good idea of what your personal core values are that you stand for. Mm. These are the people that actually know what you're struggling with in life, what your hopes are, your dreams are, what your fears are. The people who truly know you, the people who've earned the right to know your truth. They're the opinions that count. And the more you can connect with them, the less you will listen to the cheap seats. Brilliant. That's probably the best advice I can give. Thank you. Thank you so much for being here with us, Garrett. It's been a pleasure. Thank you very much for having me. Thank you. 
We hope you enjoyed the podcast. I hope you will take one more step to be nice to your inner critique and encourage a culture without blame around you. I'd love to hear about the level of psychological safety around you. So do reach out either to Garrett on his website, thebravestpaths.com or go over to meetmypotential.com and reach out. I read every single email so I will get back to you. Join us again and until then, stay cool. 